Um, so I've just been reading about about you, mm-hmm. and then I also read your article in um, is it Munchies Vice? I love it. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, yeah, awesome. Um, and so I had lots of well, lots of things really intrigued me about um, Cabal and the idea of um, I can't say I can't say bistronomy without saying it with a French accent. Sure, that's great. <laughs> um, so um, let's start. So cabal is you know that's a French word like meaning rebellion or uprising. Is that what you intended or? Yeah, I mean, if you want to read between the lines in that sense, I guess I guess that's kind of how it goes. You know, it's it's it, it stems from bistronomy, which is a you know a, re- a rebellion against fine dining and its yeah. and its constraints. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 uh, liberating everything in that sense. I'm not here to shake things up. I'm no. not here to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Uh, but you know, originally for for the actual concept itself, where you have everything controlled by just chefs, which is what I was doing in France, just no, no waiters, no waitresses, not, not even a dishwasher or a sommelier, you know, we did everything 100%. Okay. We knew how to control the food, we knew where it was going, and as soon as it was ready, you know, we would serve it, and then it was, it was, it was a very, very uh, long and, and you know, at times strenuous process, Yeah. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it was also because, you know, we, we only had a limited amount of funds. Yeah, you know, so, so that was it. La bijouterie, yes, correct. Um, and you know, when you do, when you start up a business on a shoestring budget, you gotta compromise for certain things. You know, we we tried not to compromise on the food, but with everything else, you know, we just we just sort of had to make it as simple and uh, minimalistic as possible. Yeah. For that ease of service, for the deliverability, and everything like that as well. Because how do you go from like the stove? to the table like you have to, <laughs> to be timing things wouldn't you yeah, yeah well uh, how it worked over there was uh, you have so uh, me who was basically behind the stoves and then we had another guy who was doing uh, desserts and entrees as well okay but then one would stay on the floor greet the guests sit them down get them the wine and then as soon as everyone was sat we'd go from that point of you know delegating and then the two of us would cook and then we just rotate around uh, every time that the table was ready. You know, sometimes if it was a table of six, you know, we'd all go together, mm. drop it, you know, explain, and then back to cooking. Yeah. Because we only had 32 seats and it was one seating, okay. you know, the, the control was from that point. So two hours before service or, you know, maybe, yeah, 30, depending on how, how much in the ship we were, we, you know, we'd, 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 we'd prepare everything precisely for those 32 people and we were always booked out two weeks in advance so yeah. it was never a, a problem for, for numbers and calculations in that sense we'd always then put 10% more just in case we had walk-ins yeah uh, but we would never really turn the restaurant around more than one and a half times yeah. it's just you know at, at that point you know it's too much for three people to handle yeah so coming to this concept now here where I have Scott Pickett's team and the St. Crispin team, you know, already in place. They, you know, held two hats just before, you know, so we were at a two-hat standard here. It's not like I can just uh, get rid of all the front of house and say, no, it's just <laughs> going to be the chefs, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 not one hundred percent what I wanted it to be. And, yeah. And we're still finding the kinks in terms of the food and whatnot. But as long as as long as the the integrity of of bistronomy stays on the plate, mm. then that's a starting point for now yeah mm. so it's very much like I was just thinking when you were talking about um, La Bijouterie that um, it's like a 
putting on a play really, isn't it? It's very much the theatre, especially if you've got, this is how it's going to roll over this, the next two, two to three hours. We've all got our roles, we know what happens. That's Correct. It's a performance yeah. really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it was, it was a, a kitchen more or less the same size as that. Yeah. Yeah. So then that's have, not a big kitchen. It's it's not, and uh, you know when when you consider there's upstairs as well. Oh, true. Uh, it can get in a, in a sense sticky, but I mean just like any other kitchen, you know, when as soon as the restaurant's full, you know, there there has to be a a bigger push uh, in yeah, a yeah. sense, and you just got to get that food out and. And is this degustation as well? Yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not really degustation. Five courses is the most that we do here. Okay. Uh, and that's an imposed menu, uh, but otherwise it's two course or three course choice. Okay. That's and I keep the, the the menu very small. Again, you know, if we're looking at in, in terms of deliverability and and in terms of just just cutting down the the amount of options and choice that you. You know, a lot of people in Australia have, you know, it's a very small country that's sport for choice, really. Mm. I just wanted to, to condense that and, and really work on each individual element so that, mm. it, uh, so that it sings in a sense, yeah? You know? yeah. 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 And I guess in a way that controls the experience the diner has as well. Like you, you're, you know what you want them to experience and, and, and I suppose you can do that with a la carte as well, but mm. it's, just, it's a little bit more, mm. as you say, you have more control over what they're going to taste yeah. if you've put those elements yeah. together in, in that way. And it's supposed to be, you know, it's it's not supposed to be so strenuous in the kitchen these days anymore, no. really, right? You know, everyone's sort of veering towards a different sort of vein. And rightfully so, you know, if you get chefs that are in a kitchen doing, you know, a 40, 40 item menu and each each menu item has 12 or 15 different elements on each plate, you mm. know, they're going to they're gonna look raggedy and sometimes, you know, you can't, you can't deliver on that, so then the food gets compromised. It doesn't have its it doesn't have its true worth, its its essence, what it should be. Yeah. Because uh, the consistency is not there. Yeah. And then you know sometimes they're stressed because the restaurant's full and you have fifty billion dockets away at once and uh, they can't keep up. So then you taste the stress that's in the food as well. It's yeah. not nice. No. You know, uh, for for the people that are making food, it should be a it's a labor of love, really. Absolutely. I mean, it's a genuine sense of hospitality what we're trying to achieve here. So, you know, if the chefs are happy, then the the food's going to be great mm. and you know if the food's great then the customers are happy and then they come back and that's what you want I i'm mean, such a big believer in that, that you know there's that um spanish book uh like water for chocolate and it's about this woman who every time she cooks something mm -hmm. the people who eat it taste her um, taste her emotion even as far as that and um so i, I do think it's, it's i think it's very so true. true it transcends into the food yeah, you yeah. Know, like we're only the middle we're the middle man in a sense because Let's not forget the farmers, yeah? And without the good produce, we can't create anything tasty to give to the customer then. We're just, we're just transmitting that, taking that raw produce and, and then, you know, giving it to the customer. So yeah. uh, if, if the love starts from there, and if we carry on that love to, to the customer, then hey. Absolutely. Then, then that's when you get your, 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 your three, three Michelin star sort of uh, cuisine in, the, in a very relaxed bistro setting. And that's, and that's what it should be about. It should be a fun atmosphere where you can catch up with friends and family yeah. without any pretense, without any... You shouldn't, you shouldn't feel that you have to be someone other than yourself yeah. when you walk into this space anyway. Oh, that's good. Mm. Do you, 
So your your so who started the bistronomy movement? Is that yeah? You can probably trace it back to two people. The first one, let's call him the granddaddy, Yves uh, Cumberbord, and he would have been mentioned in that Munchies article as well. Let me just touch base on that Munchies article, by the way. <laughs> I do not hate French people. <laughs> I love French people. Okay, and that that title was was not even my own. Um, that was a very pessimistic uh, article, and in, 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 I got so much hate mail from it. Oh, what a shame! Yeah, it's it's you know like I mean if you, if you're gonna be a, a foreigner in, in in the country of food, let's say, I mean, oh, that's that's gonna that's gonna start some arguments there as well. But and I didn't I didn't go over there to offend anyone. Okay, I, I went there to cook. And those were my experiences, and I gave positives for every negative that I mm. got. You know, it's just that those positives weren't written down. Right. So then, you of know, course. therefore, yeah. therefore, it makes me. You know, if you didn't know me, you'd probably go, "What's this guy?" You know. And oh, look! I thought it was an interesting take, and I and I love the, the the image of like the pencil sharp and the carrot thing. I was thinking, yes. I mean, look. I mean, I lived in France as well, and I think um, you can eat so well in France, mm-hmm. but there is. As with anywhere, there are old traditions that haven't been changed because that's how we do it. You know, they always say, oh, parce que c'est comme ça. Like, it's always like, oh, it's just, that's how we do things. And I think, yeah, I mean, that, that you have to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's always difficult as a foreigner yeah. reflecting on yeah, something yeah. that's not your own culture. Yeah. But I thought that, that it was interesting. So, but there has been change that's come up, come up from within French culture and yeah. French cooking. So, and that's what you were also... Yeah, observing so exactly yeah. and then you know for me uh, in terms of innovation and, and and the standard of cooking will always be in France yeah as much as the trends seem to be shifted now to uh, Scandinavia or, or even before that it was Spain for a little bit and then you know there's always going to be Japan as well mm. Japan and France are very similar in terms of culture when it comes to the language the mannerisms of the language where you have a, a it's almost like a hierarchy you have a very polite way of speaking a, a sort of par level way of speaking and then you know something more familiar mm. or vulgar depending on which way you want to look at it uh, and same same with the food as well it's all very seasonal it's all very provincial and I mean the, 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 the deeply rooted traditions of culture at least move in parallel with each other mm. because if they don't move in parallel that's when you're going to get this resistance and that's how astronomy sort of happened yeah like it, it, that's how i understand it yeah I was in the south of france so in um in a very small town near avignon so chateau renard okay. yeah yeah Ah, Nougat. Nougat, exactly, that's what everyone says all the time. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's very, it's very, and that's, and that's something that I, that I miss as well uh, about France, is that every single city has yes. a particular specialty. That's right. Um, and, 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 you know, if you go to, so let's stay in the south, if you go to the Riviera, you know, you have, you have the, the Tarte Saint-Tropez from Saint-Tropez, and then if you go up north a little bit more, grass where, you, where the perfume was invented, and... Mm. It's amazing, eh? And Nice has got the soccer, the, the chickpea soccer, pancake. Soccer, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, that, um, yeah, the chickpea pancake, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Salad, I, I just yeah. loved all the, uh, because I think as soon as you're right on that border of Lyon, once you cross the Lyon line, it changes from cream to olive oil, mm-hmm. and then you've got all that very Mediterranean um, 
the, the vegetables and the mm. fish more than the heavy butter and more, cream. More, so. more uh, sun food. Yeah, that's how they. That's how they. Sort of that's right. That's a good there. description, isn't it? And then the uh, the mountains. It's all. It's all the the, the raclette cheese and the fondues. And oh stuff yeah, and that, more, more hardier sort of stuff. We had a weekend with a friend's grandparents in Mio, and it was meat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. I was kind of going. I think I need to be vegan now. This is like, <laughs> it's too much. I can't. Right. And then we did a tour of the um, the Cave de Roquefort, the, yeah. and um, and I couldn't even enjoy it because I, I was so full of meat. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> no more. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. love it though. I think um, French people. I think once you, especially if you can speak the language, it's a it's a different experience. But I also think that we misunderstand between our um, antipodean but Anglo-Saxon maybe background. Well, for for me anyway. But French people, um, I don't think it's arrogance. I think it's absolute confidence mm. in where they've come from, and I think that comes through in lots of facets of their the way they live their lives. Um, but you know, like they've been on that continent for centuries, and there's been, and they've fought and lost and fought and lost mm-hmm. land, mm-hmm. and they've established their identity. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard for New Zealanders and Australians to go in, and we don't really understand that no, art of debate don't. that they do either. I no. mean, those two words in French, I'm talking too much, but um, dispute and discute are so close. But for them, it's a dispute. They're discussing things. Mm-hmm. They're not having a dispute, a yeah. fight. And I think for us, it's always like, oh, what's yeah, going it's on? A, it sounds heated, but they are hot blooded. They're hot blooded, yeah. In, in a way that's that's. Not it stems from passion. It's, mm. they, they they stand their ground. They Absolutely. they believe in their ideals. You know they don't they don't uh, go two ways about it. It's, yeah, yeah, and, that's and, right. You know, and that's 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 something that it never really bothered me about the French, to be honest. You know, in in in, in certain other cultures as well, it's like that. You know, Italians can be the same. Yeah. Spanish can be a little bit sort of passe, and and uh, you know, in 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 every culture, there's 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 something like that, but it's just not so pronounced. No, that's right. That's right. So before you went to Lyon, because Lyon really, you know, they talk about it being the capital of gastronomy. Mm-hmm. What were you doing before? Because that's you're in the big time, like you're in the Michelin star yeah. restaurant and so on. So what were you doing before that? I was I was lucky to get that. Um, well, I was actually learning the language. Yeah. Because when I went over to France, I didn't speak uh, French at all. Um, so hard in the kitchen. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's the reason why I couldn't get a job straight away. So what I did was I went to the Alps, started mm. snowboarding. Okay. Great, great uh, discovery as well. Yeah. Silly for me to, how, how naive I was to think that it would be so similar to surfing. Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I enjoyed that. And, you know, while I was snowboarding, because I spent the whole season there, in, in four months I picked up the language a little bit more. I could start to, you know, construct sentences and hold a conversation. Wow. Um, and then, you know, tuning my ear to actually, you know, that the, the, the intonations and, and everything like that. Uh, and then from that point I went to Paris uh, my French still wasn't good enough so they told me to come back when I could speak French (gasps) (laughs) and uh, yeah I I actually got lucky to to go to Lyon and you know I said I've sent my CV everywhere Paris and in Bordeaux and in in every single city in France no one would take me because I you know I was this foreigner that couldn't really speak French so I handwrit letters uh, and then I actually gave them knocked on the back of doors and, and you know said do you have a job uh, and then that's when Tadua opened his door to me so mm. Mm. but you'd been cooking in Australia before that or? yeah absolutely yeah. so yeah. before before that I actually started in pastry and cans and then got got very bored of cans uh, quite quickly um, so then I went to the Gold Coast 
uh, and that was probably my first actual experience uh, working with someone who was French and, and of a two Michelin star standard because there was a, uh, a chef, I don't know if he's still got his restaurant there anymore, his name was Majid Bouguenot and he had a restaurant called Absinthe at the Q1 um, and he actually had two Michelin stars in Belgium. Okay. So very, very strict, very, very, uh, you know, let's, let's not beat around the bush. It was an aggressive kitchen to a, to a, to a sense, but mm. that, that sort of, it changed, it, cha- it, it, it changed my view of the kitchen and then it sort of showed me a level. Mm. And, and that was the starting point for me to actually get serious about cooking. So then I went down to Sydney, uh, I worked at Picasso um, and then Glass, did a stage at Pier. But, you know, sadly, uh, Glass still exists, but Picasso and, and Pierre don't exist no. anymore. Uh, and then from there I said, okay, well, you know, French food seems to be uh, something that appeals to me. Um, let's, let's, let's go to the source and let's actually learn from the source. Mm. And then that's when I jumped into Tetois. So, mm. I, you know, I already had the skill set. But then you have to forget everything that you've learned in Australia and relearn it the French way. Yes. And that's the correct way. You know, yeah. it's just like the proper, the proper correct yeah. way. No, I don't know what you're talking about when you say pomme de terre saladaise. This is how we do a saladaise. And then I went, okay, well, you know, if, if, if you're the country that spawned this dish, then obviously this is how it is. Mm. It's completely different to what I saw before in the castle, mm. you know, something like that. Right. Um, but that's interesting because often that happens with language as well. So often once a language, oh no, that's not, that's a different way around. But, you know, if you take something out somewhere, it evolves and it, go, and it moves on or, or adapts to the surroundings mm-hmm. and then, you know, the original's mm-hmm. quite different. But How yeah. it transmits is, 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 is you know, in, in, yeah, like you said, it interpretates uh, yeah. itself in, a, in, in different ways. But mm. anyway, so yeah, from, from that point, uh, work my way up to sous chef and then they proposed um, another restaurant, which was in their group. It was a bouchon. And it wasn't doing so well. So Bouchon's the kind of like the tritter food for the masses. That sort of uh, mama's mm. cooking. A bouchon, yeah. 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 So a lot, of, a lot of secondary cuts, a lot of hearty food, that sort of thing. Did you cook a lot of offal? Uh, yeah. Because they, they're into yeah. that, aren't they? Yeah. The there, there's, there's uh, well, several dishes in in Lyon that that uh, highlight offal. This is. Um, pretty main component in the dish tablier de sapeur mm. for example which is fireman's blanket which is a tripe that's been uh, braised and then crumbed and then put in a rich sauce of butter it's it's very very heavy it's probably great because it's like using the whole animal but yeah. i just mm. yeah <laughs> yeah we're, 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 and you know look uh, i have some ox tongue on the menu right now mm. yeah. uh, just just cooked in a very simple mirepoix vinegar in a bag overnight and then we sort of take this and and uh, dip it into a Japanese sauce or a tare that mm. they use for yakitori grill. Okay. So this is a base of soy sauce, kombu, katsubushi, but then what I do is I, I toast some hay and fuse that into the sauce as well. Okay. So it's kind of like if you were to, to take it from the stem of the cow eating grass, hay and that sort of thing all the time, That's that, that was the connection there. Mm. But you know, it, it, it's, it's a very rich sauce, it's very intense and tasty in itself, but trying to sell that to people who aren't used to seeing all these uh, awful and secondary cuts and that sure. sort of thing, again, it, that's, that's a cultural divide that I'm still trying to work on here. Of course. Yeah. 
And there's nothing wrong with the tongue. No. There's nothing wrong with the heart. There's nothing wrong with the kidney or liver or anything. You know, the, all of that stemmed uh, from necessity out of the war, of course. And bringing that into a first world country, again, like as I mentioned before, where people are spoiled for choice. Mm. You know, who'd go to a restaurant and, and order a, a dirty bit of tongue when you, when you can have a, a nice filet mignon or something like yeah. that, you know? They, looking, looking at it from a, a different angle and, and, and how you... The general potential of, of, of the tongue can be just as good as the uh, the filet mignon as well. Mm. Just have to be open-minded enough to accept it. Mm. You know, maybe if it wasn't a degustation format, or sorry, a tasting format. Uh, yeah, I'm still I'm actually still thinking in French. It's it's, it's quite quite hard sometimes. Um, and 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 something gets put down in front of you. Of course, you're gonna eat it, and then you'll probably ask after what was that. And then when they tell you it's tongue, you go, oh, okay, well, blew my mind. I didn't know tongue could taste like that right. or it even look like that. But if you were to actually have them order it, you know, from the menu and choose it, I don't think they would. No, no. I think that's right. Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I was just thinking about how, you know, how much, um, I'll be wrong, I was thinking wrongfully, um, how much French influence can people see when they eat this food? But really, um, I guess gastronomy is about that creativity, and I guess it's more about terroir, isn't it? It's not being authentically original, traditional French. It's about a- acknowledging where you are now and using the ingredients you have here, but with those French techniques, I guess, and with the understep. Is that what? Yeah, it's. It, well, I mean, we can we can also put it in the sense that uh, it's a contemporary cuisine in itself. True. My my kind of gastronomy, because of my multicultural background is you know and, and and all the different cuisines that i've been to, exposed to when i was young is is a world cuisine it's a global cuisine it's, it's something that that you can take a french technique and mix it with a you know some uh, asian produce yeah it's adapting to the region yeah. terroir does does come into it but i'm not bound by culture i'm not bound by history i'm not bound by you know any anything that has uh, a set way, you know. This is this is supposed to blur the lines and create something that's can be innovative, can mm. be can be uh, you know very very sort of straight edge. But at the the end of the day, it has to be tasty. Yeah, yeah, and show some sort of sort of technique. But, you mm. know, execution of any good dish comes from the technique. If you're going to fry something, make sure that it's fried properly. Otherwise, it's not it's yeah. not going to be a good dish. Yeah. You know how many times have you had like soggy chips and just gone? Mm. Yeah. Not nice, you know. But then when you get when you get it, that's you know golden brown, nicely seasoned, you know that nice little crunch, but fluffy on the inside. It's amazing. That's right. And that's just execution of proper technique. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's uh, sorry, two things: execution of proper technique and 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 produce as well. Yes. And that's that's another thing that I'm sort of uh, coming to terms with here in Australia as well. So the produce is absolutely not the same. No. No. You can't you can't just put a tomato on the plate and and have it taste as amazing as when you were in Provence. Oh, because we, we had a Marché d'Intérêt National in Chateau Bernard, and, um, and every morning, like, all the, the big trucks would come from mm-hmm. all over Europe. And, um, and a friend's father worked down there, so I went down there. And honestly, that, I ate an apricot that tasted like um, the sun, but it tasted like apricot jam. It was so... Yeah, and the tomatoes, yeah, it's, isn't it interesting? Because we talk about having amazing produce here, and we do, but um, it's dif- it's different. Yeah, it is. You, you have to you have to go there and experience it to, to actually know what yeah what the difference is. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking to 
you know, in the, in the six years that I was in France, I hadn't been back to Australia, so I thought I'd just take a little holiday, you know, see the family and whatnot. And I was in Sydney for a little bit, and I ate at Six Penny, uh, and I was talking to Daniel Puskas there, and, and I said, "Man, what do you do to to make the the produce taste so good here?" He goes, "I can't just put a tomato on a plate, you know. I have to do X amount of things. I have to." to make tomato juice, dehydrate tomato skins and concentrate oh. into a powder and put it into this just to make that tomato taste like that. Yeah. Or just to make that tomato taste like, you know, amazing. It's a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, that's, that's the difference. You have to actually work more. Morning, Stu. How are you? Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking too, just as a last bit, because I know you've got to get on with things yeah. now, but um, I like the idea you kind of came back and did a couple of stages because you were saying when you went to France, you've got to sort of relearn their technique yeah. and I guess coming back here you have to relearn that relearn, Australian yeah. techniques and, and things would have moved on in those five or six years you're away as well mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I like that you've been to Igni and Rambler and so on as and, well and Amaro as well and it just shows it just shows uh, where the level of, uh, of food is in, in Australia and I, and I think I chose a few good ones yeah um, especially you know uh, what, what what Clinton's doing at Amaro is, is, is very good uh, and and even Igni, you know, he has his own place. I found it quite similar to what we were doing in uh, in Lyon as well mm. at, at, at Bijou Tree. Um, and then yeah, you sort of go, okay, well, this is the level, and this is what we're cooking with, and this is what I can potentially do with everything. So that's great, you know. And then this is what I was doing in France, and then you just sort of find the the medium there. Yeah. And then hence hence what we're trying to achieve at Cabal is is, is going to be that. Hopefully, hopefully, I can reach that level. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Enjoy your season here because it is a season, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. We're, we're, we're definitely heading into into the the, the festive season uh, already, fully booked. So right. That's good. That's really yes. good. Yeah. Thank you. Is that everything? Yeah. Really. Yeah. Okay.